Welcome to HIPAA Talk. Total HIPAA Compliance, host of this podcast, helps insurance agents, employers who offer health plans, business associates, and healthcare providers complete the required HIPAA documentation and training through our HIPAA Prime service. In this podcast, Rob McDonald, VP Customer Solutions for Vertru, a data protection company, talks with Jason Karn, Chief Compliance Officer for Total HIPAA. In today's podcast, Rob and Jason discuss how employees can be barriers to the acceptance of security protocols. Learn how to engage employees so they will support your security efforts. I think we've already talked a little bit about awareness training, but really social engineering, you know, making sure that the employee is involved uh, in the security process. And as we, we stated, you know, this is one of the biggest hurdles most companies face. So how do you recommend uh, a a practice uh, company gets employees to go along with policies and procedures. I mean, you have these teams that work so hard to put these things in place and then they turn around and nobody's following them. What's a good way you think of, of engineering this so that you get the entire, the entire staff behind what's happening? Yeah. I, I mean, this is, I, I don't want this, this is not a scare tactic, but um, you know, social engineering. Yeah. I've had the privilege and opportunity to lead a, lead a number of teams in, in my in my past and in information security IT days to do some penetration analysis for, for companies where we would use different tactics to gain access to data. And, and I got to tell you, um, the majority of the time, it was always soft targets or soft vectors. We always uh, utilizing personnel or information um, across departments to gain trust of individuals to, to get access to data or sending specially crafted payloads to organization, to, to individuals, to, to try to a, a, attempt to lead them down a path we want them to go down. And it, it, it makes total sense, right? Because you don't hire, every company is not an information security company. Every company doesn't have, uh, it's not fully staffed with just information security personnel, right? That makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. But because of that, um, you really have to build a culture of, um, around information security as an educational tool, not just a punitive tool, right? I mean, from a legacy perspective, from a historical perspective, always come down on the workforce uh, with security as a very punitive control. And um, I don't know about you, but I do not learn under those environments, right? I do not learn in those environments. No one does, right? Exactly. So today, security has both personal benefits, not just organizational, right? So I always recommend that companies uh, uh, build a, an education platform that lets people understand the value, uh, both personally and to the organization, of including security thought processes, right? Uh, the stop review before action uh, mentality, right? So as you're putting these breaks in place, as you're reviewing your processes about where data gets created, where it gets stored, and where it gets shared, it's building an education platform to ensure that your employees understand at what point along that data life cycle does it make sense for me to hit pause, ensure that it meets the criteria that has been set for before proceeding, right? hit pause. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, Jason. How many times have you kind of heard employees say, well, I, I got to get work done and I would get in trouble if I had to slow down and, and think about these things. How many times have you heard that, right? Right. Right. No, it's true. 
You know, right. I, I'm, I'm so busy, I, I just got to keep going. So, right. Implement an educational awareness program that focuses on the benefits of compliance, what will happen if you, you know, to you if you disobey, right? Um, mm-hmm. Flipping that paradigm, you, you have to start there. If you don't start there, the, uh, the social engineering vector uh, inside your organization will be the most prominent uh, uh, attack vector and by far the easiest if you do not start there, right? Right. I think what's also important, and you see this, it's so funny, you see this where we're building products, where we're managing projects, I see it more often on this so critical aspect of organization, and that's feedback, right? Scheduling regular retrospective sessions with your staff to get structured feedback. And what do you want to know? You want to know what is working, what is not working, and getting ideas from them to improve adoption and compliance. You know, what we said a while back um, is still critical here. Your employees are the ones running your business, whether you like it or not, right? You think that you are in control of all these top-down uh, processes, but at the end of the day, who's engaging your customers, who's responding to emails, who's packaging, and who's uh, carrying out the revenue-generating processes? It is your employees, and they are um, the best sources of feedback on what you could do to improve the information security processes that you've put in place. They don't have to be an information security expert to provide that feedback. They can give you uh, feedback on how these policies and procedures uh, impact their day-to-day, where it might be better to implement this into the process so that you get a higher adoption rate. So that retrospective session is going to give you invaluable feedback in your compliance program and your iterative improvement of it to increase the adoption and help better protect you from these uh, social engineering attacks, right? Definitely. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, we, I think we talked about that earlier. Is if if you have a program or you have a a policy that is, it might be a great crafted policy or great program, but if it's not easy to use, it has a high barrier for for adoption. Then it's not going to people aren't going to do it. Uh, we see that with email encryption providers all the time that. Um, people go around them because either the user has has trouble using it on the desktop, or the receiver can't open it, and there's all there's a, a big barrier, and they finally just say, "Can you just send me the email and encrypt it so I can see what's going on there?" Um, and so, it, so it doesn't matter how strong the program is if you can't use it. I think that's right, and, and if you were carrying out these collaborative feedback sessions, you would hear about that, right? And you want to hear about it sooner rather than later, right? You don't want to just be reviewing these things annually because now you had a full year of poor adoption. This needs to be a, a, a tighter uh, feedback loop uh, throughout that year so that you can make changes and steer that boat, make those navigation changes along the way. What do you what do you recommend on those feedback schedules? Is that something you think like is good to do quarterly? I mean, if you have a new policy maybe to do something, say, you know, redress it maybe at the end of the month and say, let's see how we're doing here with this new policy and new program. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have, I have a different answer for that, uh, based on a, a couple of different criteria, right? Um, so the size of the organization is really important, right? Obviously 
organization and you can get your arms around your entire uh, employee population, you could do these things uh, more often, right? Um, monthly or quarterly. If you have a larger, more distributed workforce, then um, training and delegating champions to engage in that monthly or quarterly feedback session with their staff or their geographically disparate staff, be able to group into sizes that can actually have these type of sessions, right? You can't have these type of sessions with a thousand employees and get feedback. It won't be helpful. Mm-hmm. Start thinking about uh, how to gratify uh, your staff based on role or geography or department in a way that you can then go out and appoint champions uh, in the organizations to have these feedback sessions so that you can uh, apply action to that you know, at least in a quarterly or biannual fashion, right? I mean, ideally, do one-on-ones with your staff. You want to do those. Uh, you want to do those far more frequently than twice a year. Um, you, I think of this in the same way. You know, one-on-one with your staff about uh, the processes that you're putting in place. And so as you start thinking about how to uh, divide your staff up into uh, size and roles that could actually do this, that's going to kind of tell you the cadence, right? You can't have these sessions and so frequently uh, without getting in the way of your other processes. Perspective I like to think about is much like I assign critical assets, you're going to have employees that come in contact more often and in a more invasive way than the rest of your population. Mm-hmm. Identify those staff more frequency uh, with check-ins on uh, that compliance process is really important. So if you start dividing the staff up and uh, in that way, uh, a cadence kind of comes out and bubbles up as what is workable, right? Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, because if, yeah, again, we want to try to lower those barriers as much as possible because that that is definitely going to be your halfway to compliance or getting people in that security platform is really making sure that they can that it, it doesn't hamper their day to day process too much. I mean, we, we have to be honest. There is going to be some change in processes, and people who are ingrained in doing things are going to have to come up with a new way to do things or have to follow a new process. And adapt, but we want to. But we do want to make sure we make it as painless as possible. Yeah, you know. And another thing I think that's really important today uh, that has emerged as uh, a service that didn't even exist years ago is there are a number of platforms today that will help you automate and carry out phishing and social engineering attacks against your employees. So these are these are obviously there's no teeth to the payload, right? This is just measuring the effectiveness. Um, so this is these are actually become, but let me kind of walk you through it. Um, it actually allows you to develop a campaign to send um, phishing um, attempts, uh, phishing emails to your organization to see who's going to view, who's going to click, and who's going to provide data. There's even some voice ones that will attempt to call the employees. And then those are all automated. So those are all the low-cost ones. You can always go up one step and engage organizations that will carry out, um, you know, uh, attacks custom-tailored to your organization uh, with live humans. Those are going to cost more money. Right. And that's fine. But using some of these automated services are a way to allow you to find the soft spots in your organization, 
it's for additional education that and, and insight that you never had before. Or, or well, you did have, but whenever there was a successful attack, right? <laughs> you right. want to know about the successful attack, right? Right. Definitely. So definitely recommend those services today, especially today. I, I wouldn't have in the past because A, they didn't exist, and B, they were too expensive if they did exist. There are a couple that are actually, if I if I remember correctly, and I know that we have one that we've we've recommended to a couple of our clients that actually uh, on a basic level are even free. Um, they some of the automated stuff that they start or they start with is free. Absolutely. Um, that's a that's a almost an you know, it's a brain check and see what's going on and who might who might be susceptible to uh, to to a phishing attack. Yeah, I mean, I think I think don't be overwhelmed by what you think might be expensive. Uh, technology provides economies of scale over time. Find a good partner, find a trusted managed service provider, or or, or 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 someone that can give you some leadership in that area and can provide you options. And you can very quickly see that a lot of this is more affordable than it used to be. And at one point, or just a barrier you can't overcome is no longer the case. And now it becomes, why wasn't I doing this? We hope you enjoyed this installment of HIPAA Talk. If you have any questions you'd like to communicate with our experts, you can find us on Twitter at TotoHIPAA, our website www.totohipaa.com, or email us directly at info at totohipaa.com.